Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We're going through the ugly phase. You've got to keep the hat on for a couple more weeks before it gets long enough to where it'll actually hang and not stick up. That's where we're at right now with this team. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to all in Steelers Nation. Welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. I'm Stan Saverin. We post up twice weekly, talking nothing but Steelers for all of you out there in Steelers Nation. Glad you found us. If you enjoy the content of the podcast, by all means, please let your friends know, and uh, we can build on that. Great to be with you. Uh, The Steelers coming up with a big game in Buffalo and a very disheartening, disappointing loss to the New York Jets. Maybe we look back on that as a season pivotal point. Undoubtedly it will. The Steelers now, frankly, in dire states, straits, given the schedule that faces them at this point. A one and three is not insurmountable. Let's recall that they were one and three a year ago and rallied to get to nine, seven, and one and make the playoffs. However, they had an established quarterback who was able to eke out some wins through his guile, expertise, and experience. That's not the case now, especially so because it became a turning point Sunday. Maybe we'll forget about all, uh, I'll forget about losing to the Jets, but maybe that marked the beginning of the Kenny Pickett era. As you know by now, Kenny Pickett called upon to begin the second half, did some good things, some not-so-good things, but obviously once you make that decision, you have to stick with it. It was a no-brainer that Mike Tomlin said earlier this week that he was going to go with Kenny Pickett in Buffalo. There were some concerns about playing against the Buffalo Bills, number one ranked defense in the NFL, I think the best team overall in the AFC. And playing in Buffalo, even when they weren't very good, was a challenging venue. It's difficult up there. The weather, not a matter of warmth, but the wind can be a factor there. And the Bills Mafia, it's, it's a loud, enthusiastic crowd. It's not the best place for a rookie quarterback to be making at least his starting debut. But Mike Tomlin and the Steelers coaching staff admitted they had to factor all that in. They had to consider all that. And you go with Kenny Pickett. I do think that now that you've gone to Pickett or you went to Pickett to begin the second half of the Jet game, then you have to be all in. There's no turning back now, barring injury, of course. I did find it interesting that Tomlin is going to keep Mitch Trubisky as the number two. I thought because of the demotion, Mitch Trubisky, obviously not happy about that, but downright angry about it, although I don't expect there's going to be any pouting or or, 
behind-the-back stuff, trying to undermine, uh, undermine Kenny Pickett. I think he'll be helpful as best he can. Let's remember that last year Mitch Trubisky spent the season in Buffalo. He knows what they like to do, and clearly still a Steeler. He'll impart whatever knowledge he possibly can to the defensive staff, but the offensive staff as well, and to Kenny Pickett in particular. I was surprised that he made the move. I did not think that Trubisky had a bad first half. True, they were trailing 10-6. to True, they did not produce a touchdown. But he also wasn't getting a heck of a whole lot of support from his receivers. I thought the game was within reach and that it was still winnable and that he might stay with Mitch Trubisky. But he decided to make the change. It does make you wonder, was there one play in particular that forced Tomlin to make that decision? Wasn't an easy decision to make. He he had to realize that what he was doing was more than just trying to salvage one football game. He had to realize that this was going to be a seismic shift in the Steelers' fortunes, if not just this year, but in years to come. Realizing that once you go to a rookie quarterback, especially one expected to take over as the starter at some point, this was the beginning. This was the beginning. Was there one play in particular? <clears throat> Something to think that it was a Something that not what Mitch Trubisky did, but what he didn't do. Meaning taking full advantage of his mobility. Trubisky had shown a reluctance to run. Was he coached not to? Or was he too cautious trying to save his job? I kind of think that even though there were some successes in the first half against Cleveland, when Trubisky did move the ball downfield and led two very impressive 75-yard scoring drives, that they went dry in the second half of that Browns loss, and a game that could have been won, although the defense certainly has not done its part either. Same thing on Sunday. As far as Pickens is concerned, uh, Pickett is concerned, um, I'm Freudian slip, he found George Pickens. That's something that, for whatever reason, Trubisky was not able to do, and George Pickens became a factor with Pickett Sunday against the Jets. That's a very positive thing. Pickett also showed a willingness to run. He ran twice in significant situations, in important situations, something, as I mentioned, that Trubisky was not willing to do, wasn't able to do, or was coached not to do. That is unclear at this point. We also have to mention the negatives. The first interception by Kenny Pickett is a combat catch that Chase Claypool could have caught. But frankly, we've come accustomed to Chase Claypool not making those kinds of catches. He is turning into a rapid disappointment. Last year, maybe just a bad year, an off year, sophomore slump, sophomore jinx, call it what you will. But I've seen nothing this year that tells me that Chase Claypool, as he's expected to do, will come down with balls like that. But by the same token, the ball was underthrown. Yes, Claypool could have made a catch but it's also equally responsible to report that the ball was underthrown. The third interception came on a Hail Mary. By its very nature, by the term Hail Mary, it's a prayer. The completion percentage of those things isn't very good. 
outside of Roger Staubach to Drew Pearson <clears throat> up in Minnesota is nothing more than a gamble. So I don't blame Pickett for that at all. The third interception, which actually was the second of the three, of the unholy triumvirate, if you will, was the path on the side pass on the sideline intended for Pat Fryermuth. And it wasn't so much the throw. I had a lot of people send me pictures of the ball uh, and Fryermuth going up for it, who, by the way, 6'5", how high is he expected to go? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might not have been able to come down with that thing. But that's not the issue. It should never have been thrown. <clears throat> maybe a veteran quarterback makes the same mistake, maybe not. But given the circumstance, Steelers have the lead, they're driving, they got the ball at the Buff- uh, the Jets' 35-yard line, already in Chris Boswell's range, three and a half to go, a chance to run out the clock, second down, that's critical. It was a second down. So no matter what happens, even if Pickett, takes a sack, or certainly if he throws the ball into the stands for an incompletion, you've got third and makeable, and if not, you got a field goal, run some more clock, force the Jets to use the timeout, and ask your defense to make a play, which they don't seem to ever end up doing, but from an offensive standpoint, that's what you've got to do. It was a bad idea. It wasn't the throw itself, which wasn't a great throw, But my point is, it should not have been thrown at all. Take the sack, throw it out of bounds. Whatever you do, don't turn it over. And he did. Rookie mistake? I don't know. Maybe Trubisky does the same thing. Maybe Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger do the same thing. I tend to doubt that. But you're starting a rookie quarterback. These are mistakes that are going to happen. Going to have to live with it. And I think the Steelers at this point are prepared to do exactly that. Now the question, how does Kenny Pickett fit in? He's the number one draft choice. Mitch Trubisky knew that and sensed that, that his days were numbered here. Even after he signed, the day they drafted Kenny Pickett, Trubisky had to know, I'm a short-term guy. The best I can do is play well here and maybe get traded elsewhere where I can start and play. But what about the rest of his offensive teammates? What about the rest of the team in general? Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. 
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. We all go back to 2004 when, because of a series of injuries, Ben Roethlisberger was elevated as a number one draft choice a year before he was supposed to. Charlie Batch gets hurt. Brian St. Pierre gets hurt. Then Tommy Maddox gets hurt. In steps Ben in the beginning of a glorious 18-year career. But a lot of the veteran players, and that was a mostly veteran team that year that went 15-1 and and lost in the AFC Championship game, but it was a veteran team. So how are they going to accept a raw rookie? Well, a guy who was there, drafted the same year as Ben, participated in the offensive lineman room with guys like Fanica who weren't thrilled about playing with a rookie, or for a rookie, Max Starks was there. And Max, let's go back to those thrilling days of yesteryear. What was it like when the Steelers knew they had no choice but to go with, really, untested rookie Ben Roethlisberger? Well, I think in the game, you weren't expecting that, right? Uh, um, Tommy takes a, uh, takes, takes a sack off a corner blitz from Gary Baxter, and then... You know, ben, ben, you know, and then it's a strip fumble. Terrell Suggs gets it, and it's a it's a quick change of possession because we were already backed up. Ben, they're they're trying to tell him immediately, hey, hey, you got to go and get ready. So Ben grabs his helmet. He's trying to warm up. Take, you know, he he's he's trying he's trying to throw some passes to 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 somebody. I think it was Marcel at the time, and then the offense comes off after the turnover. And then he hurries and gets a couple of under center snaps with uh, Jeff Hardings um, during the time of they scored in one play later. So you're scrambling on the sidelines to get him some snaps, get him at least a throw or two um, before the net, the following kickoff, and then he's in the game. And I mean, very similar to um, to Kenny, you know, Ben gets in first pass incomplete that he throws. And then second class, he throws interception of Dalius Thomas. Um, he didn't get his first completion until that second drive. And so, you know, it's it's eerily similar. But like you said, this offense wasn't geared towards him. And, in fact, you have to remember, Ben, ben started on the depth chart as the fourth quarterback right. on the roster, Stan, back in 2004 as a first-round pick. Charlie gets injured, injures his collarbone, I believe. Um, now he goes to number three. St. Pierre sustains the injury. Now he's number two by default. So he's the default number two quarterback going into the season. And, you know, we'd seen some things, but it wasn't like that. And then, the, you know, the history of Big Ben gets born when he, when he launches a ball 58 yards down the field to Hines. Hines makes the catch. And, and that's really where the legend begins. But, you know, Fast forward, we lose that game. We're now getting ready for Miami. Now, mind you, this Miami game, we don't get a full, he doesn't get a full week of prep because a hurricane is coming yeah. to Miami. <laughs> and we leave early to get down to Miami to beat said hurricane. So Ben only gets like two days of practice. Um so it's a lot more mental for us to get ready for this game and talking through it. So we don't know what's going to happen, but obviously, you know, 
you go into that environment already, it, it's a ridiculous environment. There's nobody in the stadium, really. There's us, uh, them, and cheerleaders, and essential staff. As all this rain is pouring into the stadium, winds blowing sideways, we're standing up on the on the benches on the sideline because the water is just standing water is like six inches deep. Um, it was a hellacious environment to come into. Now, Buffalo will be obviously a lot nicer. It'll just You'll have the same amount of wind that we had in Miami, but you're not going to have the weather conditions um, and the circumstances um, coming through it. But, I mean, you can draw some parallels of that for Kenny. Um, I think this team will be more accepting. You know, we had a veteran squad. A lot of guys who really loved Tommy Maddox and, and loved Charlie Batch and – you know, and, and Ben is a true rookie and, and a time where, you know, true rookies don't really come in and start right out the gates. I mean, you know, you had Eli Manning in New York that was doing the same thing because he was pouting about being the number one overall pick and going to the Chargers. So New York was in a place where they were just trying to find someone and they were happy to get Eli. And, of course, the other quarterback, Phillip Rivers, Phillip is sitting behind Drew Brees, so the Chargers aren't worried about it at all. And so for the Steelers – coming off of a losing season, ha- feeling like you had some promise with the veterans coming back, and now, you know, essentially mentally they're like, oh, man, we got, we got, we, we're, we're back into a, a, a reloading year um, because we're starting a rookie quarterback. And I'm sure when you look back on it, they would have been like, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have said some of those things because you look at it, you look what he became. You look what he did. I mean, we ended up getting the number one overall seed because of our defense and, and the offense playing a very possessive and stingy type of type of uh, football game, and it led to to what we you know what we what we expect as fans now today. We expect victory, right, Stan? We haven't had a losing season since 2003 when we could draft Ben, and now it's you know what are we going to do? We're one and three. This team, oh my gosh, Deontay Johnson said rebuild. Oh. Oh, it's horrible. The sky is falling. No, this is just the process. This is the process. We haven't had to go through this process because we had a generational talent in Ben Roethlisberger and teams that complemented it. This is what happens when you have a lot of young guys on a team that have not played together. This is the process. This is the ugly phase of hair growth. That's what I told Wolf earlier. I said, we're going through the ugly phase. You've got to keep the hat on for a couple more weeks before it gets long enough to where I'll actually hang and not stick up. That's where we're at right now with this team. That's a great analogy. Uh, very vivid uh, for anyone's imagination. Yeah. You make a couple interesting parallels and some non-parallels here that I want to ask about. Max is our guest, of course. Um, uh, the, the similarities are, are, are uh, there are some circumstantial similarities, but you made an excellent point. That was a veteran team in 2004, a veteran offensive line. Um, and, again, in the meeting room, even you weren't a starter necessarily back then, but you were in the room with those guys. Um, and we all remember Alan Fanica's comment, the mere fact that now this is a brand-new offensive line, if you will. I mean, the guy with the longest tenure around here has been Chooks, and he's still 25 years of age. So is, 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 will, will these offensive linemen be more accepting of Kenny Pickett than maybe, at least initially, that a veteran offensive line was uh, with Ben? Oh, absolutely. Because 
<laughs> they have they have really no reference point. Dan Moore had one year with Ben. Um, you know, Kevin had two years with Ben. Chooks had the longest relationship with him with three years. And then Mason Cole and James Daniels are brand new. They're transplants. They're new just like Kenny Pickett is as far as Steeler age. So there is no bias. There is no feelings. There is no experience to draw upon, like you said, yesteryear. Um, they're just trying to win games at this point. They're trying to get together as a unit and make sure they can block for a running back, give a quarterback time to throw the football, and anybody who's going to step back there behind them and trust them, they're going to do their darndest. I think that's how you have to kind of look at it uh, from this perspective. And, you know, there's a lot of pride in the offensive line room, so they want to get it right. And, you know, they know that, that you know, hey, we've already, we've already switched through one quarterback, but it's not like we went and brought – brought in this brand new guy no this is a guy that we drafted a guy, a guy that the team felt strong enough could fit this system so let's go out there so i don't think there'll be any and i think trying to uplift him as much especially the young guys because they can identify with kenny in that respect right you know they, he doesn't have any other teams to talk about except for his college team which they do i have the same experience yeah so it's going to be very similar and they're going to do their best there is a dissimilarity here in that when Ben took over, he was the only one healthy enough to play, in essence. Um, but here, the difference is, is that one quarterback has been benched. And I, I was very interested when I asked Mike Tomlin the question, who's the backup? I thought that was significant because Charlie Batch had said in our postgame show that you have to elevate Mason to number two now because of, uh, I don't want to use the word disgruntled, but disappointed, dissatisfied Trubisky might be. Does that create the potential anyway for a negative dynamic in the quarterback room and throughout the offensive room? Well, I, I think I think there th that room has been very good in the competition phase during training camp. So there was always the possibility that either or method, right? Either or could start, either or will start um, but I think, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a psychological blow and a mental blow for Mitch Trubisky. But um, as you saw, Coach was very quick uh, to answer your question, Stan, <laughs> uh, very sternly. It's Mitch. Mitch will be the backup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and kind of matter-of-factly because he's the next best option. And, you know, there is a level of professionalism you have to work with then, right? I mean, this is your job at the end of the day. You knew this was a chance. This was not a, a an expected thing. He was not expected to be the starter. He was expected to come in and be able to compete as a starter. So I think when you go back to that initial vetting process, this is the eventuality that could have happened. And I think at the end of the day, I think Mitch will be a very important tool and it will be great to have him in a uniform in case, right? And especially this week, of all weeks, Stan, I think because it's Buffalo and this is the, last, this is the team he came from to come to the Steelers. So he's going to have a more intimate knowledge. He will know things better than Kenny will. And I think hearing what's going on in the headset, being able to talk to him on the sidelines, that's going to be a great comfort to him, almost like Charlie was to Ben. You know, because Tommy wasn't exactly as, as uh, 
as warm and fuzzy as well. Um, but Charlie was that kind of guy. I think that Mitch can elevate to that better role because he understands what it is. He's been he's been what Kenny Pickett is. Right. A rookie starting on a football team with high expectations because he's a first rounder. So all of that matters. Um, and he's going to have a more intimate knowledge. He's also going to be a little more empathetic, I think, than a veteran quarterback who might have been on this team for five years and not given the opportunity um, to be in this position. So I think that's where I look at it. I say, you know what, this actually might be the good thing. And I, and, and I actually trust what Coach Tomlin um, said, and I believe in that theory because I think it can be a, 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 of help to Kenny, especially going up into Buffalo and playing against this Bills defense. Yeah, it's a, it, I asked a follow-up. It's a way to keep him engaged, uh, and, you know, we don't want to lose the guy mentally. One last thing for you, Max. I'm going to read this. Uh, one of our listeners, Dwayne, posted on Facebook uh, yesterday, actually, said Kenny Pickett's only contribution Sunday was firing up 80% of the home crowd. He's not ready. Since his first preseason game, every time he takes a snap, he immediately stares down his intended receiver. If that receiver isn't open, he tucks the ball and runs. I saw the same thing yesterday, and if I can see it from Section 529, I promise you that opposing defensive coordinators can see it as well. How would you evaluate Kenny Pickett's one-half performance Sunday against the Jets? Uh, he went 13-13. to 13. Now, granted, three of those 13 went to the <laughs> other team. Maybe he's colorblind. But- yeah, exactly. You know, but I mean, but also one of them I felt was tipped. So two of them were on him, and I get why he was trying to do it. He was trying to press, and in that situation, I get it. You know, he admitted fault about not throwing the ball high enough in a situation where the ball would be out of ha- out of the hands of Pat Fryermuth, or if he got it, that would be it. Um, you know, and the last one was a hail mary. But right. you think about that, the efficiency. He still operated more efficiently than what. Um, Mitch did, and let's face it, they actually threw the same amount of passes. If we're going to do apples to apples, Mitch went 7-13, to 13, Kenny went 10-13. to 13. Better there. Kenny got two t- rushing touchdowns, Mitch got us two field goals. So when you do it like that, and yeah, you can say stared it down, but he also did not have a week of practice. He barely got reps. He admitted that. And he's not thrown to these number one receivers. And I thought he found an instant connection with Pat Fryermuth and stretched the ball down the field. And he also got a great relationship with George Pickens early on. So I think you can grow off of that. Now, Deontay Johnson, that's a different story. Deontay's drawing the double team. So Deontay has a right to be frustrated and feel like hey, he, he doesn't know where his role is going to be yet. But he hasn't gone through a week with this young man. And nobody else around in that receiving core has given – the other teams a reason not to focus on Deontay Johnson. I think George Pickens is making a case for that, but he's still going to draw the double team, so you have to take advantage of the one-on-one matchups. And this offensive line is blocking better, and I wonder how reinvigorated you know guys are going to be to run and block because they know they have to to help Kenny Pickett out. And our thanks to Max Starks. Of course, Max, a member of our Steelers Radio Network broadcast crew, is our sideline reporter. You can hear him every day on ESPN Pittsburgh and on Steelers Nation Radio with Craig Wolfley, Wolf and Starks. And you can hear me every day on ESPN Pittsburgh, AM 970, noon to 2 Eastern time. And we're here every day talking sports with you, our Zavron on Steelers podcast. And by the way, don't forget that after every Steeler game, former Steeler Charlie Batch, former quarterback, he joins me as we host the Steelers postgame show. 
Hope you enjoy our Saverin on Steelers podcast. Again, it's available, Steelers.com. Tell your friends, family, whomever. I'd love to have as many of you listen as possible. So until next time, I'm Stan Saverin. Thanks for listening, everybody. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.